0: Welcome to the Sports Epreneur Podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide, a source production. In this episode, I chat with Cullen Jones, U.S. Olympian, world record holder, and Olympic gold medalist. Sports Epreneur is a content platform, a collaborative team, and a marketing brand that is all about showcasing leaders and difference makers in and around the world of sports. While we create our own content, we also create content with you. This includes collaborative content and exclusive content for your brand. Think podcasts, blogs, social media, and overall content strategy. Our sports content marketing team is specifically niche for those in the sports industry. That includes sports businesses, athletes, managers, coaches, trainers, entrepreneurs, and business leaders in the sports market. The bottom line is we want to help with your sports-related brand, your content marketing, and your story. Connect with us on Instagram at sportsepreneur or find us online at sportsepreneur.com. Sportsypreneur, the content platform where sports and entrepreneurship collide. Cullen's amazing swimming career has the monumental feat of him being the first African American swimmer to hold the world record. As he always has been, Cullen is a man on a mission. He's a development manager for the Novant Health Foundation team and is an ambassador for the Make a Splash initiative. Make a Splash is a national child focused water safety campaign which aims to provide the opportunity for every child in America to learn how to swim. He is also the founder of Sprint 41 and a motivational speaker. This is part two of my chat with Cullen. In this episode, we discuss the Olympian mindset, training, and stories from the pool. Now into the podcast chat with US Olympic gold medalist, Cullen Jones. Yesterday... We covered a few things and we got it all on tape. And I've already talked to the guy in our group that's editing everything. And he's like, We got an episode right here. This is good. Because we hit on coronavirus. <laughs> we talked about your story, about your right. drowning, no, not drowning, you're almost drowning, your mission. Oh,
1: okay.
0: <laughs> so, based on coronavirus, Colin's story, Colin's mission, today I'm looking at mindset, the training, and the stories from the pool. So, beforehand, I had been reading a lot of different articles about you, Colin, and you had the, obviously the Players Tribune article. And then there was a local article and something stood out and it was at the very end of the article. And it says, you have no limitations on what's going to happen next. And I see that in all the different conversations we have. And it's obviously, you don't just get there overnight. You're like, oh, I have no limits. I'm just gonna make it. We're we're gonna make this thing work.
1: It's going back. (laughs) It's going back
0: to a mindset that I believe is developed through many years of practice and training and being surrounding yourself with elite people. We obviously talked about this mindset for an Olympian because they're dealing with things that are completely outside of their control. I mean, just in another things you can never even imagine, but it's all about that mindset. And it's the athlete that is going to be able to not overly concern themselves with what's going on and things that they don't control. That's going to perform at the best level at whatever it is they're going to do, whether in a swim meet or the Olympics or in business or in life or all those types of things. As we look at athletes and, and Olympians in particular, I believe there is this mindset and we've talked about it. I want you to touch on that as it relates to, wow, things are outside of your control. I got to focus on this. Is it the athlete with the best mindset has the best opportunity to do the best thing that they can possibly do with whatever it is they're going to do next?
1: Well, that's, I think that was my biggest piece because that Players in article was a while back and I was still deep in training and focused on 2012. And I was like, this is my focus. I wanted to hear my name when it comes to hearing Team USA. Colin Jones representing Team USA and not just being a part of Team USA Relay. But the biggest piece of what I was saying that was, you can't control everything. And my coach always told me, control the controllables. When it comes to swimming, your goggles can pop. Your suit can rip. All these different things can happen. So stand, behind the, with a, with a stand behind the block with a a backup pair of goggles. You stand behind the block with a backup suit and, and cap just in case something happens. But you know what? Inevitably, something is going to happen. You can only control as much as you can control. And that's what I learned from that. And so when I said that, I didn't know what the next step was after swimming. I didn't know what my focus was going to be in. And thanks to a lot of mentoring and a lot of friends that have told me, I kind of narrowed that into something. But that it's all about being as prepared as possible. When it comes to business world, you, know, you don't go into a meeting just walking into a meeting. You practice learning who the person is that you're going to be talking to, the business that you're going to be talking to. You control what you can control. You don't know what's going to be said in the meeting, but you just have to be walking in there as confident as possible. And I think that that's, that's the mantra of an athlete, a successful business person... You never know what's going to happen. Someone's going to throw you something from left field and you're going to have to adapt. It's about being able to adapt where needed, but being as confident as possible, walking into a situation, especially when it comes to the Olympics. We have to be top two in our event on that given day. If you are not top two on that day, you don't get to go. You can't control that. (laughs) You just got to control what you can.
0: (laughs) There's a few things there because you're talking about outcome. You have to be top two, but your coach talking about your goggles. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I sort of remember an event and it must have been the Olympics with Michael Phelps and something happened to his goggles, right? Like, I think it was right before he was about to start. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So that, that hundred fly that he swam where he, he and Kavik, his goggles were like filled with water. That's right. And so even at the highest level, things don't always go according to plan. And he would say that to me, like every single day, things don't go according to plan. Things don't go according to plan. And you have to react. So I, I dove in the water, and my goggles just flip filled with water. That doesn't mean stop. Oh, okay. Well, let's we'll start all over. Mull <laughs> <right>. <laughs> again. Let's do it again. Like, nope, that doesn't work. Because yeah. if you don't hit that wall, you're not going. And that's kind of the beauty of what like the sport is. And, and if you can translate that into the business world, it, I think you just have a leg up. Because you have to understand that you know what, it's not going to go perfectly, but. <laughs> If you're prepared, you're going to have the best case outcome.
0: Yeah. There's a couple of things in that as well, because you're talking about this mindset and you're talking about on the athlete side and you're talking about business. And then for an athlete, for an Olympian, for anybody, basketball player, there is this transition. And when we talk to athletes and we talk to people in and around sports, and they say, that is one of the most difficult things that we're dealing with. And we're, we're still going to go back to some stories from the pool, but there's this transition thing. And over the last, I'd say, two years, I drive my daughters to school, and one of the things that we love doing is listening to this podcast called The Punies, and it was done by Kobe Bryant. It was done by Kobe Bryant's team. And my youngest daughter, she loves sports, she loves basketball, she knows different players. She comes down, she's like, "Dad, do you know who Joel Embiid is, right?" So she's into it. My middle <laughs> daughter is a dancer, yeah. and she's a runner, and she's you know all girls. So anyway, yeah. they know who Kobe Bryant was because yeah. of this podcast, and. I know you had interactions with him because mm-hmm. as we look at these transitions, he is like, he was like this, the guy that did it. And he was, he seemed almost in a, this new world of these things that he was creating and he's doing. And it became top of mind. I was like, wow, this is the guy that I'm paying attention to. And then what happened, happened. And it's just devastating for so many people. Yeah, I know it is. Absolutely. But for my daughters to know who he was because of not basketball, because of other things that he was creating. But I know you have stories about Kobe and, and we were talking about this. And I think it's important to understand this because he was super focused on his game and on his team and what he was doing. But he was also yeah. focused on other people as well.
1: Mamba mentality, man. And I've changed quite a bit of my public speaking to talk about my interactions with him. The funniest thing about the 2008 Olympics was right before, the night before we were about to race that event, Michael bangs on the door and he tells us all the NBA guys are downstairs. And I run downstairs and you know I, I was a basketball player and that's I swimming just took over. And, but sure. I love basketball and I'm sitting here shaking hands with Kobe and LeBron and D Wade and all these guys and you know LeBron turns and he's like, "Oh shoot, there's a black dude on the same <laughs> team." And, and it like it was one of those like sobering moments, but at the same time one of the funniest moments in my life. And I was just able to kind of take that moment in and recognize the fact that these guys actually looked at me as an athlete. It wasn't, oh, I'm a basketball player and you're a swimmer. It was, we are Team USA. And I think that that was the most important piece of it and the coolest piece of it was that we were Team USA. It had nothing else, nothing else beyond that. It was the power. And so the next day when we we're racing the race on the right side, here are all the guys from the NBA team, and then President Bush is on the other side, and then we end up having this magical moment, miracle moment, where we end up hitting, getting a world record, and after warming down, I go over, and I'm talking to Kobe and LeBron, and shaking my hand, and talking to me, and I'm just like, my mind is blown. Like, not only do I have a world record, not only have we, you know, just gotten a gold medal, I'm hanging out with Kobe and LeBron. Yeah, I think this is really cool. And Kobe was just like, we were just talking back and forth. And his determination, he started asking me about swimming. He's like, well, you know, I like, how'd you get to this point? Like, how you know, like, tell me your story? And you know, it was just a very genuine conversation about life and where I came from, my background. And of course I knew his story. When other people weren't watching, he's sitting there shooting free throws. When other people aren't watching, he's just practicing and dribbling. He's practicing. And, and I had very similar moments in swimming, but to see that parallel and to see his determination to even at his level, somehow figure out how to get better. It just speaks to you, the fact that your daughter, who never really watched him play besides probably highlights really, knew him because of podcasting. I mean, let's be real. That's where everyone's getting information now. People are in their cars, in traffic, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> what do we do? We, we pop on a podcast and we're, we're just... That's how we're getting our bites of information. And That's where she got it from. He took that Mamba mentality, that focus, after he stopped playing basketball and retired and brought it into the business world. And we had so much of an effect that it wasn't just the Gen Zers and the Boomers that were paying attention. It was your daughter that actually was affected by him in a positive way. He took that forward thinking mentality of, like, I'm going to take this focus and bring it to business. And that's what we want to see in all athletes, but it's the hardest thing. We talked about this before. You know, for the Olympics, we have to focus on something that's four years away. And so it's hard to think about diet every day, think about things like sleep and making sure that you're doing all of the things that you need to do when it's not like you have a game in two days or every Sunday. You have to be thinking four years in in advance. And then when you get there, you get the gold medal. You get the world record. Well, now what? And that's the hardest part. There's so much depression that goes on when it comes to sport because we've worked our whole time, our whole lives to get to this point. We get to the pinnacle and we're so thankful that we get there. But then... What next? I think Kobe is the blueprint, and his Mamba mentality goes beyond just what he did on the court. It's how he was able to transfer that into the business setting and still be successful in anything that he touched.
0: Inspired so much. It was actually in one of his podcast episodes. And again, this is for children and it's for parents. And he said something, and I'm going to pull it back up and I want to share it with a lot of people because he was saying for people to go create, go start a podcast go write a book, go write huh. a blog. Right. He was doing it for all the reasons he wanted to do it. He was trying to encourage more and more people to do the same thing. You can do this. You right. don't have to be known as Kobe Bryant to do this. Anyone can do it. And I just, it's so great because my kids get to hear it. So right. they get tired of like, "Dad, here he goes again, right? He's going to keep talking. <laughs> That's <person. laughs> it. And I do it. I'm guilty, right, man? I, I mean, I do that, but... Like you said, they were so into it. I remember that because they showed George W. Bush and they showed Kobe and LeBron and they became, I think, very close. At the, I mean, they were close before, but you saw the genuine enthusiasm they had for this. So you're there and you got Michael Phelps is going for what, eight gold medals. Eight trying He's And you guys, yeah. you guys were the underdog. I mean, and you yeah. had mentioned to me that, and, and here's the thing, I went back and watched the race. And it was funny, right away, at the beginning of the race, it's on YouTube, you can just Google it, it's really easy. They were saying, here's the French team, and they've been talking a lot. And you had mentioned to me that they were talking, and I went back, and it was one of the first things they said.
1: We're here to crush the Americans. That's it.
0: <laughs> but they had done oh, the okay. times, right? Because based on the fort, they thought, well, it's right. going to be tough. I don't know if they can do it.
1: So the, the voice that you're hearing, and I make fun of him all the time, because all the work that I do with Make a Splash, Rowdy Gaines, actually, he and I have been working together for 11 years. He was the head of the foundation, and then he shifted into more of a showcase space of, of the initiative as well. And he and I go back and forth. And as we tell his story, he's the one that's like, there's no way Team USA can win. <laughs> yeah. they've, got the, they've got the world record holder and the second fastest under freestyle. There's no way. And yeah, it was a, they were talking smack. The funny thing is, is that I knew three of the four guys because of just training. Two of the guys actually trained with my coach in college. So it's funny that they were talking smack and it was built up to this this point where you can't write stories like this. And for us to, to be able to come out Victorious, and like I said to, this to you before, you know, Michael never said that he was going for eight gold medals. It was just that he was in enough events to beat Spitz for his seven. But you don't want to be the guy who messes up the eight. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm on this relay, and I mean, I slam a forty-seven-six, which at the time is just—I mean, even now is is a very is a great time, even though these young guys are getting fast, man. They're yeah, yeah. Fats, <laughs> but that's still a great time, and sure. we'll make the Olympic team. But you just didn't want to be the guy who was the weak link on there. And for us to win in that setting with the NBA guys there, with the current president there, it's just a storybook. A
0: storybook it is a storybook and I would encourage anyone to go watch it because you kind of relive it and you get lost yeah. in it again and it's like yeah. what is what's the total race and the total video is like eight and a half minutes it's yeah it's worth it and I'm gonna put a link for our podcast in the show notes so people can watch it because it's that exciting because it comes down right to the end oh yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> very close <race. laughs>
0: yeah so when you you come out to the race and the crowd's there and everything's happening mm. how are you overcoming this?
1: I don't know that I ever did. I, I really felt like, you know, Russell Crowe in Gladiator. You're, you're like walking out into this coliseum of just people screaming, different languages, left and right, cameras. Just It was just insane, the venue. China did an amazing, I mean, amazing job of the venue in itself, but the Cube already was drawing eyes to it. People were talking about this could be the race that Michael might not get his eight gold medals. The French team, we're going to crush the Americans. It was so hyped up that when I was walking out, I was really nervous. I was actually terrified. But at the same time, I knew there was no way we were going to lose. And I think that that's just the culture that we have put together on Team USA that, yeah, no, we're going to figure it out you know we're we're going to put our hand on the wall first but yeah they have the world record holder yeah they have the second fastest center freestyler yeah it doesn't matter we're going to figure it out we were definitely the underdogs
0: the outcome though is you can get lost in the outcome and when you hear about athletes, you can, that's not it. We're looking at the process and the journey. And it's very cliche. We, you know, I yeah. hear NFL teams doing it and it's trust the process. You know, the Buffalo Bills, a yeah. new coach comes in. It's like, we're going to trust yeah. the process. And his fans are like, okay, we're going to trust the process. I get it. Yeah. And it yeah. makes sense. And we do have to trust the process. But it's like, some of these cliches are actually quite true.
1: Hundred percent. I mean, my coach says it all the time, and I'm like, uh huh. Trust me, I'll get you. Trust the process. Trust the process. Just do the work. Do the work. Take the cliche out of it, and really think about what they're saying. Is that this is not going to be easy because for you to get do the process, it's going to take you doing things like for me in swimming eating correctly, making sure I'm getting the right sleep. Because the most important thing isn't just exerting myself. I can exert myself all day. I love that part. It's recovering to be able to do it again the next day, and then the next day, and then the next day. So finding the process, whether it be in athletics or in the business world, what's your process at work? Is it research and then development and then execution? And then however it is, it's doing that and living that every single day. Making sure that you come to work, come to work for me was in a swimsuit. But come right, to right, work, right. <laughs> correct, ready to perform, whether that's in this kind of a suit or <laughs> <laughs> a swimsuit, yeah. it didn't really matter. It's about coming to work and being, and being ready every single day. You have to trust the process that it's not going to be easy, but the end result is going to be working
0: based off of the work that you've done when no one was watching, when the lights were off and you talked about Kobe when he was shooting free throws and you hear this story about he goes to basketball camp and they are like, this guy's soft, he comes from a good family and then they go to lunch and like, oh, where's Kobe? Well, he's he's at the gym playing. He's shooting, he's practicing, he's working on his jumper, he's doing whatever, he's dribbling the ball against the wall. And like, those are the things that when no one's looking, when no one's around you right now, and you go back in time and you, you hear these different stories and stoicism, it's like, what were they doing when no one was around? Were you a good person? Were you practicing your craft? Because you go to the Olympics and let's say you're swimming and it's 100 meters. Well, that's gonna be over pretty quick. And you're yep. <laughs> trained all these hours, days, months, years to get to that yeah. point. That is like all about the time that you put in, it, it's not about the race actually, because now it's almost like it's just going to happen. It's natural. If your mind is right, you'll be able to do it. But going back to those times, the training, that that leading up to the Olympics, the, the months before and the trials, right? You talked to me before about the trials, Absolutely. the training, the lights are off. You go to the pool in the morning, the water's freezing. Like What's happening? What's going through your mind there?
1: Right. It's funny that you bring this up because when you think about... And again, I'm a basketball fan. And growing up, I didn't have many people that looked like me. So the guy who I looked at and my dad told me this is an athlete was Michael Jordan. There's a video online where they match up Jordan and Kobe. And it's it's mirrored. Like Every motion when it comes to the fadeaway, to the last second shot, to the jump of the celebration, it's all mirrored. And yes, Jordan is greatest of all time. People mirror how he did things. And that's what I did. Yeah, my my swimming might not have been mirrored off of someone that might have looked like me, but I was paying attention to those that were the greatest. And I was watching how they were doing turns. I was watching how they were doing starts. And those things, I just practiced and I practiced and I practiced. Everyone's like, oh, you've got such a pretty freestyle stroke. It's because I watched someone else do it and then I made it my own. And that's what I tell swimmers all the time. Like, look at what I'm doing and then make it your own. If it's fast, I can't argue. But at the same time, practice, practice, practice. We talk about Kobe. Kobe's last second shot, the reason why they were able to mirror it to Jordan is because in Kobe's mind, he was mirroring what he saw with Jordan. He was taking that shot. And when he was, when everyone else was having lunch and just chilling and hanging out, he's sitting there doing that shot, doing that fadeaway, doing that killer... Mamba Fade Away. Well, I was off the blocks, back and forth, doing the start, doing the start, doing the start, trying to figure out how I could be better than everyone else on the smallest thing. And that's the other thing. It's not about the whole sometimes. It's that little thing. Whether it's just how the ball leaves your fingers in basketball or how I enter the water when I'm doing a start, all of those little things equal up to the big show. So yeah, you're right. When it came to the the 100 free, it's 47 seconds, 48 seconds. That's it. It's the mindset of what you're doing all year long that brings you to that moment where you have 46, 40, 46, that'd be nice. That's right. 47, <laughs> 48 seconds to perform. But it's it's more than that. It's it's what did you eat last night? What did you have for breakfast? What's your mindset when you warm up? What's your mindset when you're behind the block? If you're thinking about it over and over and over and over and over, your, your body doesn't know anything different. It's just swimming it over and over and over and over. And then you're tired. It's about all of these pieces landing correctly at that one moment. And I think that that's what separates it. You have people, I like to call it brain fart behind the rock right. <laughs> yeah. because they're thinking about the race so much, they're like, oh God, I'm sure I got to make sure I get this right. Or in basketball, oh my God, I got to make sure that, oh, I missed that shot. Well, what about remember that shot in the first half that I missed? And other, if you're thinking about that in the second half, that's going to mess up your whole game. If I'm thinking about the race that I had months ago, that's going to mess up my race right now. So it's all of these different things being put into this one moment at that one time to put it together for that one performance. And for basketball, it's a full game. For me, it's 47 seconds.
0: How do we get kids to think this way? Because they're surrounded by blame, self-doubt, parenting. Coaches, social, and you pick social a media. social media. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't figure this out right away, right? You had your yeah, own self-doubt, no. like we talked about, that you didn't even want to get in the water. Yeah. And that took five coaches, you said. How do we get, if someone is starting to kind of want to go to that next level, or even if it's not about going to the elitist, the most elite level, mm-hmm. it's just for the moment that they're in, to not get lost into, like you said, what happened in the last game, or two years ago, or five minutes ago.
1: Yeah. So my mom always was big into goal setting. And if I didn't make a goal, I got 15 minutes to get upset. But she, after that, was like, all right, well, you were upset. You didn't make it. That's okay. What can we do better? What can we fix to make make this better? And I would have to sit there for a few minutes and then reevaluate my goal. Well, is this attainable? Yeah, it's attainable. Well, what do you need to do? You need to do a better flip turn. Okay, we're going to work flip turns. And just in me saying that, we're going to work flip turns. She didn't say r- do the whole race. We broke it up into little pieces into how we were going to get better at this one thing. And I think that so much of what we do as athletes, young athletes especially, we look at the whole. We look at the whole piece. Okay, let's think about a jump shot. Okay, we, we, get, we jump and then we figure out how the ball's going to leave our hands and how we're going to be in the air. And the, No, figure out how, how high you're going to jump. Think about the smallest piece of what you're going to be doing. And then add to that. For me, it was a flip turn. Well, all right, let me figure out how I'm going to do this flip. How am I going to do the start? How am I going to... Oh, my stroke's not right. Well, I got to work on... Break it down into the smallest piece and then work on that and then let it build. Let it build. Stop thinking about this as a whole. Take a slice of that pie instead of trying to attack the whole thing. Because many times it's daunting. And I think as young athletes... When they don't get the immediate satisfaction, verification immediately, so many athletes are like, okay, no, 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 this isn't for me. Let me switch to something else. Or, oh, I'm done with sports in general. It's not that. Swimming for a long time of my life, I I wasn't great. I was getting pink and purple ribbon, 6th and 7th (laughs) place. But because my mom was like, all right, well... Not great, but how are we going to fix this? What are we going to work on? I've got a really good start. Okay, let's work on the start. And it just progressed from that because we we took little pieces of it. And I think that for athletes, if you can take smaller individual pieces of what you're doing and make yourself better and great at that one thing, you will see so much drastic change. We were talking about reading the other day. It's like you read what you want to read and you just keep reading what you want to read and that genre that you want to read. And then maybe you tackle something else later. But you have to be good at that one thing that you like or one thing that you're really good at and then see and build from there.
0: I love it, man. It's just breaking it down to that smallest part. And, and it's easy to talk about. It's easy to say. It's hard to execute. We always have to... I'm sure you're still reminding yourself. I, I know I remind myself all the time to like, don't get lost in that. Don't think about that. Think about this right. thing that you're doing. And I, you know, I appreciate you sharing that. And there's the other thing is you see it with young athletes, you see it with anybody else. And you hear about it going to the Olympics. We talk about basketball a lot. So we might as well stay with this. You talk about the original dream team. And there was right. a stories of some of the best games they say they've ever played were in the gym when no one else is there. Michael on one side, magic on the other, Carl Malone, Charles Barkley. And these guys are going at it and nobody's watching and the lights are on, but basically the lights are off. No one's there. And it is about surrounding yourself with elite level, with elite people, with elite talent. We talk about that a lot and you know, it takes some self-awareness to know, am I in the place where there's some elite people around me? But you're going through training, you're working with Team USA, you're trying to see where am I gonna fit in here? Do I belong here? Talk to us a little bit about being around these elite people, because you already mentioned Michael Phelps. I know you're friends with a lot of these other swimmers to be in the pool with these guys.
1: Yeah, so there's so many people were they asked me about this in an interview recently. They were like, so I heard that you... Ryan Lochte, Michael Phelps, you guys used to always play cards together. We used to always play spades. I was like, yeah. And they were like, well, what were the teams like? And I was like, I always had to, you know, Ryan's my brother. Like, and like, we would always room together and everything. But Michael and Ryan would always played together as a team. I would have to find somebody. And the point of that was is that these two guys who swim the same event, there's so much rivalry, but Respect for each other, they hated to lose. And that was the one thing that Eddie Reese, our coach, told us. They said, You know, on the Olympic team, it's not because that you guys like to win, it's because all of you guys hate to lose. And it was one of those moments that we started looking around, and the first two people I looked at was Michael and Ryan. I'm like, Yep, you guys hate to lose. <laughs> and I, I think that that's the power of, of Team USA, especially when I, when I speak to about swimming. We travel as a team for about two weeks. In the same way that you were speaking about the Dream Team, we would have these camps where it was just Team USA together. And we would have relays where we would just go head to head. And they were some of the most intense... I remember watching Michael and Ryan race against each other. No one else was there. It was just the two of them going at it. And the rest of the team is literally just sitting there and watching these two Titans going at it. And it was one of the coolest things because at the end they both looked like they wanted to barf, but <laughs> <laughs> you just saw that like it was so inspiring for everyone. And, and I think we all had those moments when we did relays. We all just kind of fired each other up. And it's it's being surrounding yourself with excellence. And it's something that D Wade said to me once. He goes, "You know, it was after the 2008 win and world record. He's like, your life's about to change." the biggest thing that you need to recognize as an athlete is some of those people that you have around you are not going to be the people that you need to have around you. You need to have the right people around you, the people that want to see you succeed, the people that want to push you further. And I got to get a taste of that every single time I was a part of Team USA. And I'm watching these guys go, okay, all right, hey, let's get up on the block then. Let's go do a 50, let's go do a 100, let's go do a 200 IM right now, tired, let's do it. And watching these guys attack these things like they were at the Olympics, it didn't matter. We were the closed, closed doors. No one's paying attention. If you can take that into the business world, if you can take that into your whatever your field is and have the right people around you, there's no way you can't be successful. I've watched it over and over and over again. And I swear I've seen things come out of me in races that I'm like, where did that come
0: from? My coach is like, where did that even come from? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> Always competing. It's a, to hear what D Wade said to you and they've caught him, not caught him, but like I saw uh, all-star game two years ago and he's walking out there with D'Angelo Russell and it's his first all-star game. And he was saying something similar. He's like, you know, you're one of the best, right? And he was like, and he was, then he started talking. You couldn't hear what he was saying, but right. it was something along those lines. Oh, yeah. It's like, man, you gotta surround yourself with the right people. Which is again, a lot of these things easier said than done because you don't know, and you have this unique story of like, this is the guy that almost drowned. he shouldn't be here right now, and had all these other obstacles that had to overcome, because you would talk to me about showing up to the pool and you're like, "What's this guy doing here? Like you hear those stories and it's angering, it's frustrating. That's one of the most ridiculous things, but it's the re- the reality, so it's it's not fake, it's real. And so you're having to deal with more than probably just the average swimmer who grew up in a pool, right?
1: Right. No, I mean, growing up, like I said, my dad, he wanted me to play basketball. That's all he wanted me to do. So when I switched to swimming, he was just like, what? And he's like, all right, well, if you're going to give up basketball, this is what we're going to do. And he just, almost a little too much, just supported me in what I was doing. He was just he was always there. He came and started coming to practice, especially when he got sick and he passed from lung cancer when I was 16. But he started going to every single practice with me and like started looking at other swimmers, just pay like, hey, attention to this guy. Look at this guy. Why is he doing it like this? You should have... He just became a, like a student of the sport. And that was one of the things he left with me. And I remember I started getting better as he was starting to get sick. And it was because of him making me realize I needed to be a student of the sport. And that's what got me to start looking at other people and practicing how other people were doing. Just like Kobe watching Jordan, it was me watching other swimmers to try to get better and be a student of the sport. That's hard to do when the people that you're looking at and start to notice don't look like you. And I was a part of a JCC, Jewish Community Center. And let me tell you, everybody on that team welcomed me like. No other, and I felt more at home on that team than probably any other team that I was on. But it was very, very obvious that I was in a sport where a lot of people didn't move. Like. When I went for 2008 and got the gold medal, you get a little soapbox when you get a gold medal. That's right, people have, have to listen to you then. <laughs> I knew that, that, that this was my platform, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to to speak out to other kids in, of other nationalities and other religions and other backgrounds and say, dare to be different. And in the Black community, if you're not playing basketball or running track or football, it's like, what? Lacrosse? Swimming? Huh? It's something that's different. And I always say, dare to be different. It's something that I, I tag on my social media from time to time. Dare to be different. Do something different. It's okay. But it, it was definitely something that was daunting. I had parents who said, well, oh, shouldn't you we be playing basketball? And my dad, I remember. <laughs> my mom, yeah, my mom. <laughs> she <laughs> almost killed that lady. <laughs> my dad had to grab her real quick, like, "Hey!" And my dad came to me. I was about fifteen. My dad comes to me and goes, "Colin, he goes, you know why she's mad?" And I say, "Why?" He goes, "Because you beat her son, and she didn't expect you to beat her son, and you don't let that woman stop. You, you don't let anybody stop you." And Eric, I got to tell you, that was the beginning of haters for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, years old. It was like. All right, well cool. And after that I, I just kept pushing. It didn't matter. I just wanted to be the person next to
0: you. And you just take it, right? And you you use the haters Thank to you. your advantage because Absolutely. it's not even the kid next to you probably doesn't care that much. It's the mom in the stands right. and she's going after your mom. That's like right. I mean, right. I, I just your mom's amazing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, she she's she is definitely in she's in my corner, but you better watch out. That's right. He's in my corner. Yeah. I got to say something about that as well. Because in 2014, when it was the height of social media, it was also the height of, I mean, which is, I'm not going to say it's not the height now, it still is, but it was also the height of trolling. Trolling started at that point. And for all of the lessons that my dad taught me at 15, I wasn't perfect. And I had two really hard years, maybe not so much in the pool because I made the teams that I needed to make, but I had a hard time getting those haters out of my head because I was getting in social media all the time. And I know that there's people under the sound of my voice listening to this podcast that's going through the same thing. And if I can say one thing, just like my dad said, there's a reason why. For me, it was because I was beating their kids and I didn't look like them. Don't let them stop you. And it took me two years to figure out that I needed to remember what my dad said. But don't let people stop you because they want to beat you. They want to, they're upset because you're winning in some way and they're not. They're in a bad place. So they need to bring you down to a bad place as well. Don't let that happen. Don't let them do it. I lost two solid years of my career because I let people in social media get to me because they were writing BS. Sorry, I'm going to have to say it. Yeah. In my DMs, in the scrolls, and all that stuff. And you know what? Just, you got to push that off.
0: That's, well, first of all, thank you for sharing that. And you would never have chosen to make those two years and say, I lost those two years. Do you see yourself of having to go through that? Kind of like you've gone through some other things to say, you can say that today because you did go through it. You're a better person as a result. Now you'd love to go back in time and maybe switch that, but you don't regret it because it's helped you become what you are today. Do, Do you think about it that way? 100%.
1: 100%. And just to get, you know, I'm gonna, right here on the pod. I'm going to be really, really open about it because it took me three years to actually talk about it. I have alopecia. So, alopecia is where your hair follicles just stop growing. So, yes, I have a bald head. It messes with your nails. And I was going through a personal hell because I was looking at the mirror and I wasn't seeing what I expected. You know, I had a beard and a, and a mohawk and I had all these things that like, I, I attributed to my who I am. And so there were people writing stuff on me. What's up with Colin? What's going on with it? He looks like a cancer patient. And I'm listening to all this stuff and he's getting into my head. It's made me a better person today and stronger today because I can literally sit back and I'm not going to curse on this pot, but I'm going to say something right back to you. I don't care. I'm still as strong as I ever been. I wish I could do those two years again and tell myself back then, don't let these people bother you. But I think I had to go through that. I had to go through that to become... Who I am today. And if I can tell young people today that are so caught up with who's liking my things or who's paying attention now, oh my God, I'm not getting these followers. If you get yourself surrounded by that, it is stressful, it's anxiety. You don't need that in your life. Just keep putting out content, keep pushing for what you want to do. I don't care about somebody who wants to talk about me having a bald head. I don't care. I'm still gonna post this selfie though. That's it. It's still man. cute. It's still yeah.
0: cute though. <laughs> <laughs> Looking good, right? Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, so many people are going through so much. And sometimes you have no idea. I didn't know. It wouldn't change any opinion I would ever have of you. You know, yeah. and but people are going through things and it's different, right? Someone's going through something different and and you just don't know. And for you to talk about it. For your friend and teammate Michael Phelps. He's been, you know, obviously he's the most decorated Olympian of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's come out talk about mental health because I get it. You you can get so caught up in what you're doing for the fans, for the team, for your teammate, for whoever that might be. And there's been other athletes, but he seems to be like, if he wasn't the first, he was one of the first in the era of social media, like you're talking about, and has spoken up about mental health. We're seeing you know, different leagues, the Premier League, as I've talked about in the UK, they have Heads Up campaign and their players, they're not talking about the game. They're talking about, how's your mom doing? How's your house? What's it like to be in a new city? Things are like, man, I'm really struggling with it and I'm having a hard time or I got this health issue or I got whatever those things might be. And Michael Phelps, like we said, he was one of the first in this era to do it, to speak out about it. And I know you've talked to him about it because it's been a major transition And it's helping. And more and more people need to hear that story as opposed to trying to just brush everything aside to say, no, no, no. I'm just going to keep pushing through, keep pushing through because inevitably, well, you're going to come to this thing. It's like you couldn't keep going anymore.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we talked about the day-to-day. You know, you you see Michael and you see Michael touching first, but you don't know the the pressures that he's under. Let's say he decided to go back for 2020. What is your expectation? At least some more goals. right? What if that doesn't happen? Then you're going to be like, oh man, what happened to Michael? Oh like, that, That's pressure. That's pressure that we put on him. And I remember, it was actually about like, two years ago, he did a, a pod with Tony Robbins and Sean White was in the room and he started talking about it. And this is when he was like really first, really being opening up about the pressures. And even I was listening and I was like, yeah, man, that's exactly how it goes. You you work your butt off for four years to get this gold medal, and then boom, you get the gold medal. Now what? So much expectation. Like, what, what are you going to do now? It's like, you, you don't know how to pivot into something else. And it was great to hear Sean White in the background because I think he was sitting on the couch, and he's just like, man, yeah, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. And to see Michael be able to connect with so many Olympians, especially as, as high as he is, the most decorated Olympian, and to speak about those things, we needed that. We need that as athletes because even at the youngest, you were talking about your son being a goalie. Man, if the ball goes in, he's feeling pressure. He feels like, oh my God, I, I let the other team score. I let my, my team down. There's all of these different things from every level of sport. But what we need to teach is that mental strength that it's okay to make mistakes. These things happen. And even at the Olympic level, it's okay. Even though everyone has this high expectation that, okay, so you got the world record. That means every time you touch the water, it's going to be a world record. Every time you put the ball up, you're going to have 36 points. Yeah, yeah that, that's not realistic. Things happen. Sometimes you get sick. No matter what it is, it's okay. But that's the beauty of sport. You get back up and
0: you keep pushing, and you can keep going. And Absolutely. yeah, well, and like you said, Olympians may have a harder time with it because you only get the forty-seven seconds. But you're there, and you're you're giving it everything you got. And like you said, dare to be different and keep pushing in that. And, and that's what you're doing. And, and it's obvious with the mission. As I said before, this is a man on a mission. And, and, yes. and a lot of different things, you know, helping people out and, you know, and spending time doing these things and, and and being on a podcast and being upfront and being honest, just being real about it because there's a lot of people out there and you, you know you can help them out. And because you've been through these things. Yeah. The one thing I want to ask you, and we can get you out of here, is that event when you were a kid and you were in the water slide and, and we went through this already yeah. today. And obviously you talk about it and you must think about it. Does it, come up like is it more conversation today like or is it something like in your mind when you're not talking about it when something else is going on do you go back to that time
1: you know it serves quite a few purposes for me if i'm talking to someone who's afraid of the water they've had a traumatic episode i use that story to to level with them to get them to understand that like a anything is possible because i almost drowned and then became an olympian so if that's not the proof that anything can happen, I don't know what is. So I can use I use that story in a way to to relate many times. I also tell that story to motivate when it comes to parents, getting them excited and getting the kids excited about honestly, Eric, you don't have to get kids excited. Once it starts getting hot, the first thing they want to do is run the water. That's it. <laughs> so it's really getting the parents to understand how important it is to learn how to swim. It's a life skill. It's not just a great sport. It's a great sport. But it's a life skill. We need to get our kids to learn how to swim. You can't allow your child to just go to a pool and think that a lifeguard who's also watching 500 other swimmers is going to be able to watch your child. You wouldn't allow your, your child to be in a car without a safety belt or play football without a helmet. Don't let your child go near water without swim lessons. So... I use the story to, to inspire, to, to relate to those that, that, that honestly have had a, a negative experience around water and kind of out of humor. Because I mean, I always, I, I laugh at myself, but the first thing out of my mouth after I went down this ride was what was the next ride we were getting on? Because I was right. a spoiled little brat only child <laughs> with my parents and I wanted to have a good time. And there's humor behind that. But at the same time, I, I never overlooked the weight of what could have happened that, that could have been the last day of my
0: life? You said something there. You wanted to have a good time, and this is a little bit of a different direction, but mm-hmm. you see that a lot with kids. And this applies to the training, this applies to the mindset, and all those different things. I think one of the reasons, not a psychologist, do read a lot, right? But I see people and children, especially, they look for the joy in everything. And that's amazing. And we want that. And you should, but there's a thing about sometimes training's not fun. Sometimes the water is really cold and you don't want to yes. get in the water. It's oh. It'd be way easier to go home, sit on the couch, turn on Netflix or do whatever you want to do. Right, right. To me, there's a big thing right there. You want to have a good time, no doubt about it. But if you want to be great and like we talked about, Muhammad Ali said, you know, I did mm-hmm. exactly what he said, but he hated working out, hated running, but he loved the yeah. idea of being champion of the world.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, it's not joy, it's not fun, but if you love that part of it, it can be fun, right? I mean, this is Absolutely. the little things are what's fun about it if you look at it that way.
1: And it's about the end result. You put yourself through the pain of training hard, working hard, being focused, having salad instead of that burger or pizza, making that sacrifice, because at the end of the day, it becomes tangible. And it's something that you can hold in your hand. And for me, it was a medal. All of those days, as soon as that medal went around my neck and I got to say our national anthem, it validated everything. All of the morning practices, all of the, all of the, the, the curved nights that I could have hung out with my friends and went and saw a movie, all of it, as soon as I got that. And so what I tell a lot of people when it comes to especially goal setting It's you have to make it real for yourself. So if it's something like you want a medal, take a picture of that medal and put it all over your house. Because every day that you think about doing something that's not going to be on target for you getting that medal, I want you to see it. I want you to visualize it. And I think that that's that's the biggest thing. For for me, also, as, as a young swimmer, I don't know the foresight, and I don't know how I had the foresight, but maybe it's because I was an only child. I was there with my friends. And if I was on a relay, I wasn't letting my friends down. So it was bigger than me. I made training bigger than me. It wasn't just the pain I was feeling or the tiredness that I was feeling, jumping in the water that I was feeling. It was, man, I got to be ready for this team. And especially when I went pro, I was training for Michael. I was training for Ryan. I was training for Nathan Adrian, Matt Grievers, and all these other guys that I knew were up 5 o'clock two, training to get in the water because we wanted to represent Team USA and get gold. So make it bigger than yourself.
0: Well, I think one thing that when you have a child, I know you have a child now. Yep, yep. All of a sudden your child, let's say, comes down with a cold. You know, All of your own issues, you really don't have any issues right now. You're trying to help your child feel better. And and you lose, you get outside of your own mind when you're working on something that's a lot bigger than yourself. I, I have to ask this though. You win the gold medal you do all those things it validated so much of what you did and it maybe you can't go there because you got it what if you didn't get the medal what if you guys were half a second too late you still did all those things you were part of this mm-hmm. team you had this amazing experience i mean sometimes we see it, some of the best players in, in sports in the barry sanders right ted williams yeah, yeah. patrick ewing like they never won the championship but when we talked about this we talked about enjoying the journey enjoying that process I can't imagine that would they love to have a championship? Of course they would. But -hmm. at the same time, it's like, I doubt they would trade it for anything in the world. What if you didn't get the medal?
1: Absolutely. And if you ask all of those basketball players, and I've seen them on 30 for 30s in interviews, that those moments are the ones that they always talk about. You know, I mean, even at my at my level as an Olympian, the first thing I get were the people that swam were like, you know, I swam in high school and I never swam to your level. Yeah, yeah, okay, I get it. But I was on this team where we were swimming in states and we were so close and they remember everyone. They remember every minute and they learned something from them. And each one of those people carry, maybe it's not tangible, but and and maybe you're not happy at the moment that you don't get what you're looking for. That moment is a defining moment in your life. Learn something from it, whether it be the camaraderie of the teammates that you're with or just Relish in that moment. I, I'm telling you, that I, I get it all the time. Like, oh, I'm a swimmer and I was at States and I was swimming with this person and this is... And you see that genuine excitement. No, no, they didn't win. They didn't get the medal. They didn't set a world record. But the pride that they have, and I love seeing that. Carl Malone, the pride that you hear him speak when he's talking about Jordan or talking about the way he was playing when he was playing with Jordan. Those are the moments. That's the beauty of sport. Yeah, maybe you didn't get what you wanted necessarily at the end, but you're still a better person because there's different things that you learned from the experience.
0: Well, that's an amazing way to end it. Colin, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your mindset, the stories of your training and your stories from the pool, and just all the different interactions you've had with amazing people. And it's amazing to interact with you. So thank you again.
1: And appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the pod.